0: Welcome to City Talk, with Sabrina Bengo and Liz Hartman.
1: And Liz Hartman, we got to get that fixed, everybody, because I like to have my partner's name on there. OK, everybody, good morning. Um, I, sorry, we're running a little late. We got a little technical difficulty going on here. My co-host, Liz Hartman is currently up in raleigh doing her american legion thing which i'm so very proud of her what a dynamic awesome woman uh and so uh, we're going to get her connected in here shortly and uh her and i can talk about a few things and then we're going to be welcoming about uh 8 15 state senator jim perry he's now the new uh representative uh, representative senator for craven county and uh we're going to be excited to Welcome him on, on line today. Good morning, Diane. One of my favorite Italian people. Love you, darling. <laughs> We're good. Is Liz on? Are you there, Liz? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. So good to be with you today. Good morning, good morning from Raleigh. Yes, uh, doing your American Legion duty as only you can do it. So um, thank That's you, for, thank you for doing that. Um, it's been a it's been a week. It's Friday once again, and here we are. Uh, at, at our uh, posts here talking about what's going on in Newburn, And I just want to say that I was so glad to see you on Wednesday.
0: Oh gosh, what a wonderful event.
1: Thank you for. Yeah, it was great. I was so happy to attend it. And what was really very interesting about your table, as I walked over and I spotted you there at your table were these, I think you had about five of the most handsomest black men sitting at your table. I'm gonna say right out, they were so handsome. They had medals on, and they just were—I mean, spit spot sparkling, you know. <laughs> I have a way of spotting
0: the most handsome men in a room and sitting with them, and it was just a super, super honor to be able to sit with the uh, Montford Point Marines on Wednesday. And so that's that was who a- they
1: were. They were the Montford Point Marines, who are a very, very famous uh, brigade. Is that what you would call them? What what is yeah, the term? I-
0: I would just use them as a unit. So there's 20,000 Montford Point Marines who joined the Marine Corps while there was still segregation. And so those five gentlemen I was with, were, are, their purpose is to search for the descendants of Montford Point Marines and award them the Congressional Gold Medal for their descendants actions.
1: Well, it was amazing to have them there. Of course, the program that we watched on Wednesday was the discussion of post-539 efforts, to uh, locate and clean up the headstones of veterans in our Greenwood Cemetery, which is located in the Duffy Field neighborhood. Uh, and thinking you were going to get four or five, you ended up getting about what, 62, I think it was? We got about 62. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, and it was. And so this presentation was to talk about that process as well as some of the people that were buried there and their stories. And let me tell you something, Claudia Houston with the Newburn Historical Society, man, what a gem, can she research or what? Oh, <laughs> Just amazed. I hire her for research purposes. She was amazing. She really was. And she brought stories that were so personal. And she described that, you know, these men either were born and raised here, went off to war and came back, or they, were, they got to New Bern by some means and then you know, were here for a while, went off to serve. Or they married a family and they, were, they lived somewhere else but came home to be buried in this area. And so it was interesting how she really got into the, their history and their lives and such prominent people, really. I mean, and I, people of achievement. It was really interesting.
0: I love the story of the three Ms who came back to Bern and they continued to serve by being physicians and they were next door to one another. They were just such heartwarming
1: stories. I think it was Martin and Mumford and there was another or, Yeah. It was and then of course the, the three brothers. There were three brothers, last name Johnson. Um that uh, two of them were killed in action. And these and so this is a mother that sent off three sons. Two of them were killed in action, and then the third one uh, was able to return home, but then did pass away and is they're all buried there together. And I think that was a really heartwarming and wonderful, wonderful story. It was. It's nice to know, because you can't imagine what it's like to lose
0: two children, but to know that they're all eventually back together, that's the important part. And now they've been respected and honored in the way that they should be.
1: A- absolutely. And I know this journey does not end here. I know that Claudia is continuing to research some of the names of the people that are in in the cemetery um, and that you are going to go into some of the other cemeteries we have, which is the Evergreen Cemetery and try to locate some uh, veterans in that cemetery as well. That's like the newer version of Greenwood. Greenwood is the old historic cemetery, just like our um, Cedar Grove Cemetery. They were formed (laughs) around the same time. And then You've got uh, the Evergreen Cemetery, which is newer, just like our West Newborn Memorial Cemetery is.
0: There is a woman that I know they are hunting for, and they want to make sure her headstone is clean. So they are continuing to work. They're planning out which one we're going to go to next, and it is just going to be an act of love.
1: Right. Uh, Shout out to Carol Becton as well. You know, she's known Carol for many years. Our children went to school together. And um, she gave a great presentation on a young man that was buried there that they couldn't find any information out. And they called her and come to find out the young man lived in her neighborhood, was a classmate, and she was able to bring his story to life on Wednesday. And that was, I really enjoyed hearing about that as well. I believe his name was Michael Dove.
0: Yep. And then Mark Sandvigin also did a phenomenal job. We really lucked out with three incredible
1: historians yeah, no doubt about it. You're you're really lucky to have that. And I, I can't wait to see the work that's going ahead, you know, as we go forward. So let let me give you, because I know you've got a to run today because you're up there in Raleigh doing your uh, doing your thing, and I'm so glad you are. But let's have our veteran minute and tell me what's been going on um, in the veteran world.
0: Absolutely. So the big thing I'm going to push today is the weekly social at Freshwater. I was nervous that it wasn't going to take place yesterday because I wasn't in town. But much to my surprise, I was still getting texts at midnight from a bunch of vets having a wonderful time supporting local businesses. So every Thursday at about 5 p.m., we meet up at Freshwater. There are non-alcoholic beverages. There are alcoholic beverages. And it's just a good, fun time with one another. So that's every Thursday. Um, we also had the New Bern Military Alliance meeting this week. It was a phenomenal opportunity to hear directly from Colonel Hubert about what they are planning to do on base. A lot of construction coming in the future. They're planning on redoing Slocum Gate, which will provide a much more secure gate for the Marines. And that will end up being uh, just a beauty
1: of a project. They also have secured no funding. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just trying to get are oh, There's no video going on. There's no video.
0: They also secured the funding for a new gym. Anybody who has oh. been on Cherry knows that Devil Dog Gym is one of the crappiest, for lack of better words, gyms across the market. And so Newburn, Craven County, Havelock finally did the work and got that money secured. So that's exciting. Um, on the 23rd, I do want to mention that the U.S. flag was raised on Iwo Jima. So make sure you celebrate on the 23rd. Um, get your flags out. So that's February 23rd, correct? February 23rd, yeah. I mean, and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but that's all I've got for you.
1: Oh, good. And I know you all are active daily in assisting veterans and in, in needs with benefits and um, other personal services they need, some rehab services they need. So I know that you and your uh, your post are, are currently, you stay active in that daily.
0: Yeah, we've actually got three people, including myself, in Raleigh this weekend to dive deeper into training to make sure when we're back on the East Coast, We're providing the most up-to-date information. There's some legislation through the House and Senate right now to automatically grant VA benefits to those who were deployed and exposed to burn pits. So we'll be out here lobbying on behalf of that. There's a lot of good coming down the pipeline.
1: So is this lobbying at the state level to get this um, done, or is it for the national Congress? This is at the national level. So that's a national level. It's actually a bicameral
0: piece of legislation. Both sides are working on it. Both parties are working on it. It's just, you know how politics go. It's just yes, stuck <laughs> <laughs> So we're trying to make sure it gets unstuck. We're also working on getting some legislation passed that would support women in particular when it comes to mammograms, because a lot of the VA hospitals do not have the proper equipment. And unfortunately, women are at a higher Well, naturally, women have a higher likelihood of uh, developing breast cancer from their exposure overseas as well. So we're working on that also.
1: But one thing I don't understand, maybe you can help me. Why do they not allow our veterans to go, you know, if they don't have mammogram ability, let's see at the VA hospital, to let that person just go to their doctor another doctor using their VA benefits? I don't understand that. We buy insurance, you know, I look at VA benefits as VA insurance. Just like, you know, somebody would have Blue Cross or whatever, Aetna, something like that, and you're able to go to people in the in the system. So why can't they do that? I mean, it seems like the solutions are so easy. Why are we making it so hard for these people? I don't
0: know, but I can tell you from personal experience, there are certain procedures that I have to drive to Camp Lejeune for, even though I could get them in New Bern. Um, it's a real pain in the butt veterans should not need to drive up to greenville they certainly shouldn't have to drive to fable
1: um you mean to that, jacksonville you said greenville you mean jacksonville correct no greenville for the va hospital oh there's a va hospital in greenville did not know that
0: yeah so it's crazy how far they're having to drive but unfortunately that's the way the insurance is set up so that's something that's being thrown around but i think that's further down the road
1: well, we just, I, you know, I remember how hard my dad worked up in New York to try to help, again, the uh, the VA members trying to get some uh, get some help and assistance. A lot of them didn't have transportation to go the distance to VA hospitals. I know that's an issue here in New Bern. Um, I know your post and other, the DAV and other organizations do try to assist in that. But, you know, if we would just use some common sense in government, Man, I think we could save a lot of money and provide a lot of services. I agree. I do believe it's my time to hop off
0: here. Tell Senator Perry, I had a beautiful, I wish I could have talked to him. I wish I could have.
1: Well, uh, you know what? We'll have to get you hooked up. So I'm sorry. You're not going to be here to um, talk with him and interview him, but um, we we need to get you two together so you can discuss with him the issues we're having with the veterans. Um, I, I believe that he has a, ear a listening ear to the people of eastern north carolina and he would be a great a great person for you to talk to so we'll try to make that happen
0: well sabrina it was a pleasure to chat with you
1: yeah liz i'm always happy to chat with you now you're going to leave me by my lonesome so i'll i'll see i'll see you on the sidewalks and we'll get together next week and talk (laughs) to you i can stay on i apologize i thought he was yeah i don't know if they have him in let me um you got him okay anything just please reach out to me as long as you're respectful if you can't be respectful I you know I I don't know what else to tell you so that's uh, I I don't mind disagreeing with people I don't mind people disagreeing with me I'm just asking that uh, it be a respectful conversation and we respect each other's um, decision to agree to disagree so we got him senator Perry are you there
2: I am. Good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you today?
2: I'm well. I'm well. Thank you.
1: I well, you good. Are. Yes, I'm great. Thank you for joining us here on City Talk. Um, for those of you, um, Senator Jim Perry is kind of new to Craven County in that uh, he, when the districts were redrawn, um, He he got us, but I'm more excited that we got him. So, (laughs) um, And yesterday, what I want to talk about is that there uh, was a vote yesterday about maps in the -hmm. legislature. And I thought maybe you could talk with us a little bit about that, where we're at and where we're going.
2: I'm sure. Happy to do so. Um, We were ordered by the state Supreme Court to revisit the maps. Uh, because the, the courts decided that they were unconstitutional for uh, really three reasons that they listed. Uh, whether or not we agree with that, it, it's irrelevant at this point uh, because when it comes to matters of our state constitution, the Supreme Court is the, the highest authority, the state Supreme Court. The federal court, um, U.S. Supreme Court, will not interfere with matters of our state constitution. Um, we're often asked about that, so we we had to undertake a, a redrawing process, and they outlined uh, five measures that we could use to evaluate the maps. So while the the maps were not what we would consider to be ideal, and and you know we have our own ideas about the, the state constitution and whole county provision requirements of how to draw maps. Uh, at this time, this is the the only option we have. So we undertook a redrawing of the state Senate maps. Most of it was unchanged. Uh, about 80% of that map, people typically don't know this, but about 80% of the map draws itself because of requirements in our Constitution that require we keep uh, county pods together. Uh, as an example, if a, if a Senate district is about 209,000 people and you have three counties that fit together, and, and come within 5% under or 5% over 209,000 people, our, our constitution and a court case, the Stevenson v. Bartlett case, indicates that we must group those counties together. So as an example, my original pod of Craven, Lenore, and Beaufort counties uh, was unchanged and unchallenged during this entire process. So we don't anticipate that the court would change that even if they don't accept the maps. Uh, we attempted to work with Democrats to uh, find some middle ground on some of the areas that were most contentious, and, and that was really more of the Mecklenburg County, Wake County, and Guilford County areas. There well, that, was one that's where and, the
1: issues are. Is that where a lot of the uh, discussion went that, to? Those three areas? Yeah,
2: that's the only place you can really uh, move lines. You know, because uh-huh. they have so many people that the whole county provisions don't catch those. So. That was where the, the most contention was, and then uh, up around uh, Buncombe County and one pod in the northeast corner, which which was changed for scoring reasons to make sure that they were within the uh, parameters of the mean median test and the efficiency gap test. So the, the Senate map uh, did not receive any um, Democrat support in the, uh, the House or the Senate. We had hoped to. The House map was passed. With Democrat support, I think they ended up at about 115 to, to 5 on their vote. And the congressional map, we felt confident, would never receive any Democrat support because of the uh, federal pressures and the national pressures that they receive. Um, but the the maps that we passed are well within the, uh, the test outlined by the Supreme Court. And we chose efficiency gap and mean-median test because they're not subjective. Right, you just you put math in the uh, spreadsheet or the calculator, and it's either within the range or not. And both of those, uh, or all of the maps, really scored within what the courts have indicated would give them presumptive uh, constitutionality. So, they now go before a three-judge panel. It's the high court remanded it back to the superior court three-judge panel to evaluate. We have to submit them by today. The court has until the 23rd to rule. And then I think midnight on the 23rd for anyone to appeal the ruling. Um, but we we feel we're well within the, the basis of their outline and well within the law.
1: So um, that pretty much means that we're going to have a primary then on May 17th, which will include municipal elections, such as the city of New Bern. You know, uh, we typically have our elections in October. That was postponed. Mm-hmm. Then we were told we would have elections in March. That was postponed. So now mm-hmm. we're at May 17th. So I assume that date is going to hold and there won't be any other
2: changes. Well, like <laughs> our, our court system seems to be a bit uh, predictably unpredictable these days, but that is the best information we have today, that the primary would still take place on, on May 17th. Filing would open up on the 4th uh, and close on the uh, I think the 24th or the, the
1: 14th. So we're talking the 4th of April. We're going to reopen filing and it would go to right. a- April 14th. Okay. Cause I originally heard like the 24th
2: of of uh,
1: February. So you think it's. Yeah. Gonna... I'm
2: sorry. twenty twenty fourth 24th to the 4th. I got, I got that okay. backed up. So, so 24th yeah, of it...
1: February. So next <laughs> week filing will open. It'll go through March the 4th. That's right. Okay. Perfect. That's right. Yeah. just want to, for, for everybody out there to kind of understand it again, it's, It's going to be interesting because um, the city of New Bern municipal elections will be lumped in with uh, Craven County, North Carolina, state and Senate races, as well as uh, congressional races and the Senate race uh, that we've got uh, in our state this year. So it's going to be interesting. It's a primary. So what's going to happen, for those of you listening, um, if there's no Democratic contender, so if only one person has filed for that there really is no election process for them. That will go to November. If candidates have opponents, again, like uh, the Senate race, uh, US Senate and some other um, races, then there would be, this would be considered a primary. The winner that comes out of this race would then go on to November. Everybody's on the same page with me. (laughs) Do we know, though, the other thing, because it does impact the city of New Bern, um, our elections are, um, you know, uh, election with a runoff. So if someone doesn't get the 50%, if there's more than two candidates, if someone doesn't get 50% plus one, it goes into a runoff. And we're being told that they don't know when the runoff date is because it's going to be based on if there needs to be a runoff for Candidates in the primary, more than two races. So I don't know if you know anything about that. When that date's supposed to be, could be, they're saying it could be June, it could be July.
2: Yeah, no, the, you know, these, the court decision to delay all elections uh, has really caused some confusion on that matter. It has because we, I mean, you, you heard me being confused on the, the filing dates earlier, and I live in this world. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it's, it's just, we, we're in a period of uncertainty right now. Uh, we, we hope to, of course, receive a favorable ruling, not, not just for us, but to allow everyone to move forward and plan. People need to know what district they're going to run in. They need to know when to file. They you know, need to be able to collect supporters and raise funds. I mean, it, it really has thrown a lot of kinks in the process.
1: Um, well, it, you know, again, it's, it's interesting and uh, we got to stay on top of it. I'm glad you've, uh, uh, you know, got this moving forward. I think this is great. Um, somebody posted, said, seem like the state Supreme Court is treating political parties like a protected class.
2: Yeah, that was interesting. It was one of the arguments that came out in the court case that, you know, only only individuals have rights and the courts don't recognize the rights or any protected rights for political parties. But, uh, you know, the, it's the different views of the court system and, and how we should interpret laws. Uh, I personally have more comfort um, with strict interpretation. I'm a, a textualist. <laughs> I, I I I don't want to depend upon a benevolent. Dictator. I want someone to be bound by the confines of the law. What's written be bound by legislative intent, whether at the federal or state level. And you know that that's regardless of someone's political party. As a conservative, I just don't want to give anyone that much power, power. and authority over someone else. I, I think throughout history we've seen that that's been a that's been a bad idea. So I don't oh, want to start been. more of it now. Yeah.
1: And we all win when we can come to the table and and reason and, and, you know, work something out because there should always be a win-win if we could stop right. drawing the line in the sand. So I know that um, you also dealt with another issue yesterday at the legislature and that having to do with masks. Do you want right. to talk about that a little bit as well? Because I know we have a lot of people interested, especially the parents of school children.
2: <laughs> sure. You know, and it's been incredibly frustrating for everyone. I think this is about the Third or fourth time that we've we've made a run at the mask issue, but I believe that the environment is so much different today, uh, and you know the cynicism in the air says that decisions aren't about science anymore; they're about political science. And uh, knowing that a bill was moving through the House, you're, you're probably aware that the governor's office called a press conference yesterday to uh, really get out in front of the issue, in a sense, but. Um, I'm not really sure that's what that order did. we We heard different things throughout the day, But at the end of the day, it seems like he just said beginning the seventh of next month, his recommendation was that people consider dropping those mask mandates. Well, they can drop mask mandates today. I think you know, we we may be at thirty or forty percent of schools now who are dropping them because they see the damage that's done. So, right. Our bill would prevent that from happening uh, in the future. They wouldn't have local authority to put masks on children in K-12. I did have some heartburn with that conference report. Uh, I wanted to include universities and community colleges. Uh, We had a a lot of internal discussion. Um, The Speaker of the House did give me his word that if we wanted to put that in another bill that... um, You know they would be supportive of that to try to run it later if we can get, especially if we can get Democrat support. Uh, There were two crossover votes in the Senate. Uh, The the bill passed with what would be veto-proof majorities when all Republicans are present. And but we'll we'll see how it holds. Um, I had Representative Keith Kidwell, who many of your listeners may know, we had spoken yesterday morning, and we were talking to both sides, the, the House and the Senate about the the fact that we're you know we're leaving some uh young people out and we did not like that i was yeah
1: well that's very true especially at the university level i hate to see east carolina my alma mater and and look and see how they're requiring masks for all this stuff and it's just you you know i just hate to see that
2: you know at some point um vaccines readily available people make their own choices um they've decided what they want to do and and now if you you know, if you want to be protected, you can be. You can still right. choose to wear in N95 if you want. At some point, we have to believe in the concept of personal responsibility, making your own choices.
1: That is very true. And some of the, you know, this whole vaccine mandate and, you know, for the record, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm anti-mandate. And I don't think anybody should be forced to do anything. You know, I, I'm put out there. I've never had a flu shot in my life just because that's what I choose. Mm-hmm. I have made that personal choice for myself. Now, my husband is different, but, you know, that was my personal choice, and sure. um, I have to deal with the consequences. Just like I, I gave this analogy the other day, people who smoke, you know, that's mm-hmm. their choice. We know it ruins their health. We know it can hurt others in their family, the secondhand smoke, whatever, but it is their choice. You know, we do have some restrictions in place, but it's still their choice. <laughs> I, uh, you know what?
2: Uh- I think as someone who believes in liberty, there is no greater liberty than individual thought. And I think you have to be able to make those choices for yourself. If we talked about the impact of this virus, you know, the, the biggest killer that we have is heart disease, Absolutely. You know, really brought on by obesity. No one's. No one's banning barbecue and french fries. Um,
1: they better not. We
2: need to build, <laughs> we'd revolt. Eastern
1: North Carolina would never be the same if you banned barbecue. So that is who we are.
2: <laughs> that, that's because we have the best barbecue.
1: That, there's no doubt about it. I would stand with you on that. The people in the West can say all they want. But <laughs> that's right. That is true. But we just, you know, I'm, I'm in prayer. I really am in prayer that, um, you know, some of the national rules change. You know, I was, I was excited. I want to take my grandchildren to Disney World. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole mask thing is that, you know, they're two and three years old. And, you know, I just, it's so hard to keep them masks. It's just, you know, they're full of energy and it would be hard to do so. I saw where Disney had changed their policy that they're not requiring masks indoor or outdoor anymore, except you have to be fully vaccinated. If you're not mm-hmm. fully vaccinated, you have to continue masks. So to me, I'm really in hopes that all that dies down and goes away mm-hmm. because we have seen through Omicron that whether you're vaccinated or not, you can spread, <laughs> and, right. you know, and someone can catch it. So um, I really wish that, you know, they would, I'm, I'm hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that that will come soon, as well as releasing the mandates on airplanes um, mm-hmm. you know, the mask mandates on airplanes, because I think, again, they have totally changed their filtering system. And mm-hmm. what I, I'll tell you, Jim, the funniest thing is I've traveled in the last year on airplanes, you know, everybody's got, they're all masked up. And, you know, the, the flight attendant comes down the aisle and says, pull it up, keep it over your nose, whatever. We get up in the air, the drink cart comes out, the beverage cart comes out and boom, everybody takes their mask off and they start drinking and eating. And our mm-hmm. position has not changed. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Right. And right. and potentially I see a lot of people dragging out for an hour. They're drinking and eating so they don't have to put their mask back up.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't I don't see the difference.
2: Yeah, so uh, it, it was interesting. I saw a quote um, someone sent me yesterday from one of the, the hosts of the the View. And um, you know, it's an individual who's very liberal in her thought, but she had mentioned that she really didn't trust the CDC guidance, and she would be making her own decision. They had changed so much; she just did not feel comfortable with it. And I, I, I couldn't help but think that, you know, two months ago, three months ago, if someone said that they were anti-science and it was an right. abomination, and now it, it's becoming, you know, more mainstream. It, it seems our hypocrisy no, knows no end.
1: Right, and and that is so true. So as as we're we're going through this. Next several months, um, tell me what's on the horizon for Eastern North Carolina, and what are some of your legislative goals for for our area?
2: So we're you know we're moving into the legislative short session, and, right. and um, there's really only a 60 day period every two years where you can file new legislation. If you you want to get legislation to move outside of that period, there's a set of rules for what is eligible in the short session. Uh, the only thing eligible right now, even though we're we're still sort of in skeletal session, um, is going to be conference committee reports and the typical bills that don't have uh, boundaries around them, like pertaining to elections or constitutional amendments or things of that nature. Uh, so we're we're really limited on what can be filed today, but we will continue to focus on on efforts to you know really confirm. Uh, our freedoms and and parents uh, freedom of choice for their children and their educational decisions and masking and health. I think we'll have an opportunity on some of those issues. We'll continue to focus on uh, broadband expansion, economic development, uh, lower taxes, trying to understand our infrastructure needs. Um, you know we really have to work together as a region in Eastern North Carolina to be successful, and we've got some, really good things going, some uh, regional partnerships as it relates to our, our military and uh, FRC East and helping to expand their footprint, solidify that base. So we'll uh, we'll continue to work on those areas and help constituents as things come up.
1: Well, That's great. Uh, someone, uh, a comment that I've received is, please release the mandate on school buses as well. So I hope that what you've done will sweep to all areas of the school and not just the classroom. I don't know if that's yeah. been included or not.
2: So here's the the issue with school buses. That is a, um, that's really a federal mandate. That's an executive ah. order signed by the president uh, relating to all public transportation. So our, our bill um, because of the supremacy clause would not uh, reverse that, and if we had put that in there, we we know it would go you know straight to the courts. So that is uh, by executive order. I, I do think you'll see him reversing those very quickly. Uh, unfortunately, and th- this is going to sound like a barb, but I, I think it's just an observation. Um, this isn't about science. This is about political science, and right. the polling data shows that you know those things they became very unpopular when everyone realized they were not working as, right. as they That's true. were thought to be.
1: So as you talked about some of your legislative goals and things, let me, let me tell you that really important to Eastern North Carolina is roads. There's no doubt about it. If we can't get people here, if we can't get people to work, um, it, that, that causes a problem. And we have been kind of mm-hmm. left out in the, the, <laughs> in the other world for a long time. And to me, the, the one negative is we do not have a you know, a four lane highway to get us to East Carolina to get us to Greenville. Mm-hmm. So you think about the people coming down east Morehead, Jacksonville, those areas mm-hmm. trying to get there. I mean, it's it's terrible, but we've got great roads coming from Raleigh there mm-hmm. and going to the outer banks. But, you know, we're left here. forty three is a dangerous, dangerous two lane road that many people have been killed on, had major accidents. And we've got to find a better way. You know, it was our hope that by now uh, 17 would be four-laned, at least from New to chaka and you could kind of get there, take 17 there, and then get to Greenville. Mm-hmm. I believe it's 11 or 33. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the road there. But we keep continuing to be bypassed and not, mm-hmm. not get the funding at the DOT level for things like that. So... Um, with my elected official hat on, I would ask that you look at that because, you know, it brings tourists, it brings people, it takes people to work, it takes people to our major university with a major hospital there that people need Mm -hmm. to get to and we want them to be on safe, good roads.
2: So I've got bad news on that front. (laughs) Well, no, let me just give you a a pulse of where we are today. Um, Most people have read about the Department of Transportation's overspending on the (laughs) transportation budget and they have a a forecast plan they they're still they have a 10-year plan well i don't know anyone who can really forecast out 10 years most most states do 4 to 5 years and really 4 years is over two bienniums that's a long time to to right. be forward looking well they they've they've committed uh to all of these projects and done all of this uh, these advanced engineering studies and let projects currently they've made about 11 billion dollars worth of promises That frankly can't be delivered on so if if someone does have a project on the books and it's more than about five years out it's my personal opinion that you don't have a project on the books Uh, you know we we face declining revenue from the gas tax because of cars being better on gas you see some electric vehicles impacting that we were having conversations about how to redo transportation funding you know transportation funding um, and the highway trust fund was the cookie jar for years for folks to balance budgets in previous administrations. Correct. We've been digging out of that hole. And also that that the way they score projects, you know, more populous areas uh, tend to get more weight on, on the scoring. So it leaves very little for the East years ago. We had Mark Bass night down on the coast uh, and Bass night drove a lot of funding, to the, the eastern part of the state for projects and those major roads. You that mean you to mentioned. the
1: outer banks. That's where it well, went. Well, it didn't that, come down right. here.
2: <laughs> that, that's right. But, you know, he had the votes. We he had did. more rural lawmakers. Um, in the state Senate, uh, Wade County is going to have about 24% of the votes. And if we have Republicans in the western part of the state in different areas, you know, it's hard to get them to vote with us to send more money here when they feel they have needs in their area. And we have you know, less and less dollars available. So it is something that needs to be looked at. We need a more equitable funding formula, but they've dug a huge hole that they have to get out of. So it's going to be painful.
1: Well, you know, of course, we've always been known as the good road states coming from the Northeast. You know, I grew up in the metropolitan New York area. 95 was always a mess, worse potholes, tolls, all of that. And it was such a pleasure to come to a state like North Carolina, to see our good roads. Yeah. With that being said, you know, as far as infrastructure goes, you know, the, the local municipalities are working hard on water and sewer and trying to get those to the mm-hmm. area. We are getting additional funds at the federal level, but transportation and roads, we've mm-hmm. got to make that a priority in our state because that's what brings commerce. That's what, you know, works for everyday people to have better roads. So I would ask yeah. that you put that This
2: issue, this issue is the most underreported, undercovered issue in our state, the absolute debacle that we've seen at at DOT and the issues they've had. Now, I I will give uh, Secretary Boyette credit for rolling up his sleeves and digging in and trying to address problems head on. And I do think they've made uh, progress, Mm -hmm. but he has a big hole to fill And I think we we are going to have to look at things differently. I'll give you an example. Uh, Their actual actual inflation rates are running 3.9% in their their last board meeting. And they voted. uh, There was a motion to change it to actual because they forecast, I think, Mm 1.5. And the board made a substitute motion to leave it at 1.5, knowing that's not what it was, but you know it's better politics it looks better it's window dressing they they can promise more projects out in the future that will not be delivered and as a business person that just drives me crazy yeah. so we you know we've got to got to give them some attention
1: yeah i agree and you know under transportation too my one of the other projects i'm working on actually uh representative tyson and myself talk about it on a regular basis is is rail, a train. Mm-hmm. Of course, in eastern North Carolina, we have no passenger rail. We believe that it would be an incredible economic boom if we could have that train from Raleigh to to the beach, to Moorhead City. Uh, the tracks are there right now. Norfolk Southern has the total lease on them. I know that uh, I want to say kudos to Carl Warren. I'm so glad he's been brought in. He's amazing. I like working with him, and I think he's got a great vision for the railroad. but you know, I would love to have some passenger rail. Our Our railroad tracks go right through the airport that we have mm-hmm. here. And just think people could be able to come down, get on that train, step off the air, you know airplane, walk, you know, maybe a hundred yards, and get on a train to take them down to the beach. And they mm-hmm. have a, a train station there. I just see the possibilities all the time. And again, you know, we pay attention between Raleigh and Charlotte. They get it all. Salisbury gets mm-hmm. the benefit of it. And nothing down this end. And, you know, that used to be the way people went around back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I'd like I think to see there would
2: be support for using the capacity of the existing rail when we we hear communities talk about uh, additions of rail right. whenever we we already don't have a, roads and the roads that we've had i don't think the the maintenance funding has been where it needs to be so maintenance funding hasn't increased but we've added roads well you know i, I was ready you you don't continue to buy things if you can't take care of the things you have today so I, I think there has to be a balance on that
1: and and, and i but, agree and those are just good things to look at at the future how do we do to how do we move our population sure. how do we get them to jobs you know again unfortunately i'm, I'm speaking to the newburn craven county situation we have minimal transportation you know public transportation yeah. so it really limits people um to be able to get to work to be able to get to the hospital and to our community college so always looking for ways to try to increase that and, you know, make it better. So. Sure.
2: And you, really- and you mentioned, you mentioned Steve Tyson, uh, representative Tyson, my my good friend and Craven. Well, he has uh, been wearing me out and educating me <laughs> on, on different transportation needs and issues at the airport and, some things that are near and dear to members of his community. So Steve's really been uh, digging in and advocating for the community and learning a lot since he's been up there. Yeah,
1: I enjoy. I've always enjoyed working with him. And, um, you know, we we have that same go button. So it's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my comments is the bypass is coming and it is, you know, they're working on it down here. That's the next big, exciting thing for this area. Um, production manufacturing should be a priority, bringing good-paying jobs with benefits to this area. And again, that does help. We can move things. It helps Cherry Point and the other areas with that wonderful bypass to get people from Raleigh to the beach and move goods and services too. So... We're thankful that's starting. It's going to be three years of pain, Senator Perry. But it's going to uh, the end result. I want to remind people that when we were building the new bridges here in town, you know, three years, everybody said downtown would die. We would it would kill all of us. Nobody would come here anymore. And Mm it they not only came, but once it was completed, that many more came. So (laughs) it's been a good thing. And I know three years sounds like a long time, but. It it goes by in a minute, it really does.
2: Well, we, we will have a little of that. I call it the orange barrel syndrome. <laughs> what what that causes is uh people Tend to be grumpy and they they talk very ugly to each other in Raleigh. So I know we'll see that down here when we have a lot of those orange <laughs> barrels.
1: Boy, talking ugly. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> mm, goodness gracious. Well, anything right. else going on in Raleigh we need to be aware of because really what happens in there does impact Eastern North Carolina. Um, I know that you've been working really hard on many areas like agriculture. Uh, broadband mm. is important. Western part of our county. You know, they can't even get an internet signal when these kids were out of school. So it was really, uh, really bad for them. But I know that you're up there working for us. And I'm I'm very pleased about that.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks for the, the kind words. We, uh, you know, we'll continue to focus on the execution of that because it's great to get funding, but, you know, it it takes time to get the resources on the ground. And, you know, you know what's happening with cost right now, But but finding people to do the work you know, and fill these contracts. That's another issue that we're facing that's complicating matters. But we we do feel like we've made some steps in the right direction from an infrastructure standpoint and things that we need in the rural areas to be competitive. And uh, we'll keep chopping wood on that topic.
1: Yeah, it's it's important. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you've had a chance to visit our Volt Center that's been opened by Craven Community College. It's our Workforce Development Center and they are doing amazing things in, um, Training people to get out in the workforce, so we can have more workforce in the areas of, you know, uh, you know, electric plumbing, HVAC. But also, mm-hmm. we have our main manufacturers such as Bosch and Moen, who have set up lines in these, uh, in the at the Volt Center, so that, you know, you could take a, you know, three to five day training course and get a job when you're finished. So
2: yeah, I think that I think that's fantastic. You know, we. We we drilled into people's heads years ago that hey you've got to go to college you've got to go to college it doesn't matter what you study you just you have to be a college graduate and I I think like society does we we probably went I know we went too far with that and it led to you know really high rates of student loans and kids graduating with degrees that were not helpful right and you know now we've got so many needs in the in the trades areas and and People can really earn a fantastic living and support their family and have meaningful careers. And I think that that's more important to be a productive citizen than to have a piece of paper that may or may not be helpful. So I, I just I, a big supporter of our community college system. I graduated from Lenore Community College before I transferred my wife and I have endowed a couple of scholarships there. I think they are the backbone of our education system.
1: Yeah, there's n- there's no doubt about it. You know, shout out Ray, Dr. Ray Statz, uh, who runs the community college, is a great friend of our city and our county and, you know, constantly is at the table working to say what kind of programs, what are the needs of this community, how do we, you know... Uh, get people into jobs. And so he comes to all the employers and said, how do we do this? You know, one another comment I've gotten is, you know, we need five more Bosch's and Moen's and these other mm-hmm. manufacturing and that with the bypass, that's going to allow us, you know, opportunity to grow. And we are, and of course, you know, the tech bridge that has uh, started with the uh, cooperation of uh, Cherry Point, the bases mm-hmm. and the, the local economy and of our uh, economic development group, I think is going to mean you know, great, great things for this area. So I'm really excited about it. And then I'm excited we have a community college that has positioned themselves to do training in those areas, whatever the need is. So it's, uh, it's been a good partnership. Kudos to them. They have a great small business center. And I, I want to see them do more and more in this community as far as uh, you know training for jobs because we desperately need it
2: yeah i agree i i agree we we can't uh, get enough help from those folks and we need to do more for the community college system because they are the ones that are preparing the the productive citizens of our community here locally and we need to see more of it
1: right and and that is that is so true and we do so you know i think the end goal for me is less restrictions more common sense <laughs> uh allowing the uh marketplace to work And if we do that, I believe that, you know, we'll see many successes down the road. I agree. Well, I I can't thank you enough for joining us today and coming on and giving us that Raleigh update. I hope you'll do that from time to time once you're back in the session and what's going on and how it's impacting uh, our county and and your district.
2: Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having
1: me. You're welcome, Jim. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody, we, you have just been listening to uh, Senator Jim Perry, who is uh, now the senator for this district. Um, of course, um, you know a major shout-out to Norm, Senator Norm Sanderson, who has served and represented this district for uh, many years. And uh, God bless him. What a godly man. And he did an excellent job in representing us in Raleigh. Uh, Of course, you know, lines being withdrawn, uh, redrawn. He lives in Pamlico County, and I believe now um, it's more east and north, his district, where you have uh, Senator Perry, who lives in Kinston and Lenore County, and they're just, you know, it seems like shifting around some things. But whoever's there, we're going to work with them and make sure that they're here advising the citizens on what's going on, just like our very own uh, House member, Steve Tyson, and what a great job he does. So it's been good to listen to them, to have them, and to find out what's going on. I wanna let everybody know that next Friday, we're gonna have a great, great show. We're going to have Carrie Gallagher, who is the Executive Director of the African American Heritage and Cultural Center. And she's going to be bringing with her a couple of her board members. And they're gonna talk about the good work they're doing and also, that they are a repository for a lot of the history that it, that had happened in the, American, in the African-American community that's kind of been lost, and they're trying to bring it all together with pictures and stories and been working on it for a while, and she's done an amazing, amazing job. They were behind working with the sign program that you see 16 signs throughout the Duffy Field community that tell the story of the people that lived and worked there and contributed to that that area and to that neighborhood and to the, to all of the city of Newburn. Bern. So uh, she does a great job. I'm excited to have her and her board members. We're still trying to celebrate Black History Month, and uh, we'll be having them on next Friday morning. Liz will be back in New Bern, which I'm always glad to have her, and uh, she'll also give us that... Uh, veteran update that we'd like to get on a weekly basis. And I appreciate everybody joining us today, coming on and being part of our our program for the comments. I appreciate every one of them. Uh, Again, I want to thank you. I I urge you all to um, agree to disagree, to be kind, to be respectful. And I think that's how we move forward as a city. That's how we move forward as individuals. I've, I've said this so many times on this program, that you know, Newborn's really about the people, you know, buildings come and go <laughs> things things changed. that's stuff, but people are people, and as long as we can try to be respectful with one another and work with one another, uh, I think that's that's the answer. Um, it's been a rough week for me. I will tell you though I'm a survivor and I'm just gonna stand up and hold my head up high because I haven't done anything illegally or morally wrong um and Um, I'm going to continue to serve the people with the best of my abilities and continue to do great things in this community uh, and try to do it with a smile on my face. So I'm here. I'm going to stay here. (laughs) And uh, because this is home, this is where it is. And for all of you that love this community, let's love each other first and foremost. And I think uh, it'll be that much better. So. I appreciate you joining me. I look forward to having you with us next weekend and get out and enjoy. I think it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. A little rainy today, but a beautiful day tomorrow. So uh, we will see you on the sidewalks, everybody. Have a great Friday.